Victor, you spoke to the Ukrainian community Thursday evening about your recently released book, The Natasha's, The New Global Sex Trade. And I know you had a grueling day on Friday speaking with the local mainstream radio stations. Thanks very much for joining us here on Nash Holos. Thank you. Uh, your book, as you pointed out, is not a coffee tail book or a cheery Christmas stocking stuffer. You paint a horrific picture of the brutal realities of the sex trade, the brutality endured by trafficked women and children whose lives are ruined by the pursuit of sexual pleasure and unimagined financial profit. Now, first and foremost, you blow away a lot of preconceptions and stereotypes surrounding so-called sex trade workers, and that is a rather ridiculous euphemism, if ever there was one. You uh, dispel the myth of the happy hooker. There really is no such thing, is there? No, there isn't. And I think, you know, when people look at these young women on the streets and think that they're there to make a lot of money and, and do it the easy way on their back are really wrong. They have to look beyond the cheap makeup. They have to look beyond the stiletto heels and the gaudy uh, clothes. They just have to understand that the vast majority of these women are trapped. They are enslaved. There are men who are using them, and these girls are coming out with no money. They're coming out uh, completely destroyed psychologically and physically. Now, there are a lot of apologists uh, for this trade. Uh, there's a, a double standard in labeling. We're talking about these girls are prostitutes, sluts, and all kinds of ugly words for them, but they have clients, and they're talking about the oldest profession, but uh, you just pointed out there aren't very many hookers that are wealthy pillars of society. Well, that's right. I think one of the things I do say, and I, I really hate being pulled into this debate on... Uh, on the legalization of prostitution and women have the right to make a decision on how to use their own bodies and that this is an issue of very young women by the hundreds of thousands that are being trafficked into the sex trade or into sexual exploitation these women are not making a choice that this is what they want to do with their lives and yet you know so often they are labeled the whores the sluts and the prostitutes and what i basically say is they're victims and the real whores and prostitutes are the men, the, the Johns who use them. We label them with, with very tame, tame labels, clients, customers, Johns. These men are exploiters, and these men are criminals. If you don't look beyond you know, what, what you're given on the street because you pay $45 or $100 to realize that this woman was forced and that she's enslaved, you are just as bad as the pimp and the organized criminals that are committing these crimes. Now, you pointed out that in Europe, um, especially in Eastern Europe right now, um, rape is now, it was a crime when there was war on, but now it's R&R. &R. Can you go into that a little bit? Well, what I discovered going to war-torn areas like Bosnia and Herzegovina, and as well uh, Kosovo, is there are tens of thousands of peacekeepers in these places, and they're brought in to bring peace and stability and also to arrest combatants on both sides and charge them with war crimes if they were involved in, in heinous activities during the battles. One of the war crimes that they're being arrested for and being brought to the Hague is rape. Unfortunately, after peace comes to these areas and the peacekeepers come in, you suddenly realize that many of the peacekeepers are in fact using trafficked women, are using enslaved women for their own pleasure. So it becomes what the, a euphemism called R&R, rest and recreation. And, uh, you know, this doesn't make it any better. When you see tens of thousands of troops and U.N. workers and international aid workers 
coming into an area, and suddenly a huge influx, and I mean huge influx, of brothels and uh, strip bars that uh, are housing or imprisoning tens and tens of thousands of young women from places like Ukraine, Moldova, and Romania, then you know that there's a problem. These women were not brought in to service the local clientele. They were brought in to service the peacekeepers, and they were brought in to service the international aid workers. And those men uh, who are in that field, this, this peacekeeper field and the international aid field, should be ashamed of themselves because they should know well what these girls are and the fact that they are enslaved. This is not a mystery and this is not uh, something that's swept under the, the rug for these people. They know that these girls are slaves. So why do they do it? <laughs> I, always, I always say men are pigs. <laughs> they, they just simply are directed by their drive, you know, their sexual drive. I mean, you get a bunch of guys together with uniforms on, and when they get time uh, off the base, they go off to these brothels, and they have a good time with these young women. And they go, you know, 5, 6, 10, 15, 30 of these men go through one woman in a day. My God. You know, look, you're not talking about a woman. You're talking about a 16, 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old, straight out of high school, really no life experience, who thought gee, I'm going to see part of the world, I'm going to work in a different country, I'm going to work cleaning hotel rooms or as, an await- as a waitress, I'm going to work as a nanny, something like that. They never in their wildest dreams felt that they were going to be used and abused like this by, certainly not by men with the uniforms on, with little flags on their shoulders indicating countries like the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, you know, Italy, pretty pathetic, pretty sad. Now, how do these girls end up there in those brothels? Many of them are kidnapped or abducted right on the streets and uh, roadsides uh, in places like Moldova and Ukraine and uh, Belarus, Russia. Others are tricked simply by job uh, offers to them by these bogus uh, employment agencies that have popped up in various towns and cities throughout uh, Eastern Europe. They're told, you know, we, we've got these jobs and we swear up and down, we swear on our, uh, on our mother's heads, we swear on, you know, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and all the saints that we can invoke, that no, this is a legitimate job offer, you have nothing to fear. You know, a lot of people say, well, these girls got to be pretty stupid to, to take these jobs knowing what the possibility is for them. But what you have to understand is there is nothing for them in Ukraine, nothing for them in Moldova, nothing for them in Belarus or Romania or the Czech Republic. They are absolutely destitute and poor and will grasp at any straw and any offer that they feel might be legitimate. And unfortunately, so many of those offers lead straight to, a, to imprisonment, to absolute torture and beatings, and then to a brothel. So they can't afford to uh, to to look at an offer and make sure that it's ironclad. They 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 basically every time they look at something, they they try as best they can to to make to ascertain that it's it's legitimate, and then they still go out with some hope, and that hope is pretty much usually dashed, isn't it? Oh sure. I mean, when you say ironclad, I mean you should see some of these contracts. I mean, it's, you know, in triplicate and the five, six, ten, fifteen pages, and you really think this is really legitimate. 
you know, they make it sound legitimate. They have, I mean, absolute con artists sitting there, and they're duping. They're not duping really super intelligent people, and super intelligent people get duped every day because I've done stories on incredible frauds around the world, and you have to really wonder how stupid you can be. In this case, what you're duping is someone straight out of high school. A kid. They're kids, yeah. And, you know, they get offered something by these adults and largely affronted by, you know, and disgustingly so, by women. And, uh, you know, you can't blame them for, for being foolish. Who are these women, then? That are, they're, they're fronts for, the, for these traffickers and pimps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you would be surprised. You know, oftentimes we think it's just these men. No, it's not. A lot of times women are fronting these organizations. In fact, uh, many of the cases that I found, I even found a Ukrainian doctor who was involved, psychologists, teachers, uh, the wife of a minister. You know, it, it's shocking. The other thing that happens as well is these suave, really good-looking guys come in, you know, young men, and they sweep these young girls off their feet, you know, professing their undying love for them, and then they say, hey, let me take you on a vacation. Fortunately <laughs> for the young woman or the teenager, the vacation is, you know, a route to hell. No kidding. Speaking of hell, you mention in your book Highway E55. Yeah, the E55, Highway to Shame. I mean, this place is really, you know, absolutely horrific when you see it. Uh, you know, you cross in through Dresden on the way to Prague on the E55 highway just near Dubé. And this place is just five, six miles of young women on both sides of the highway uh, applying, you know, uh, a profession, but all backed up by pimps and traffickers. It, it's thousands of young women, and now we're finding that there's upwards of 500 children that are being trafficked in that area as well. UNICEF just put out a report on that. How old? Well, some of them as, as young as four, five, three, you know? My God. The pedophiles uh, are just moving in there very quickly, and they get these children, and then, uh, you know, with the, the majority of them are seven, eight, nine, and ten. You know, it, it's really disgusting. Then you have the older, older, 16, 17, <laughs> 19, you know, and they're on the sides of the streets as well, and now Dubé itself has become a huge, huge brothel, the town itself, with clubs going all the time, and German tourists and Austrian tourists driving in by the thousands every day for very cheap sex, and then crossing back and going home to their families, you know, to their wife and their kids. And these are just really disgusting human beings, because... It is widely known that many of the girls on those roads are controlled by very, very powerful and dangerous pimps and criminals. Now, um, a lot of people might say that because this is going on in Eastern Europe and Germany, Austria, um, that's not our problem. But your books, your title is The Global Sex Trade. You make it pretty clear that it really is everyone's problem, out even here everyone's problem and the problem is now rearing its head in Canada we're seeing more and more ads in in these so-called community newspapers and regular newspapers community papers oh yeah you, you see them in the you know in the back pages of uh, newspapers in Toronto and in Montreal where they talk about massage parlors and uh, escorts and that kind of thing but you're seeing them more and more where the ads are saying 
Russian women. Now, when they say Russian, they mean everybody. They, you know, nobody differentiates between Ukrainian, Moldovan, uh, Romanian. They just go Russian. So you see Russian women or Eastern European women, massage, $60, nude, you can touch half an hour. And these places are popping up in, in Vancouver. They're popping up in Toronto and Ottawa in Montreal. And it's well known that these women are coming into the country simply to do this. Many of them do not realize this is what they're going to do. And I can't, in my wildest imagination, believe that young women who are 15 and 16 and 18 really want to you know, put their hands on you know, 30 men a day or have to go through 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 men a day. Yeah, a real desirable career choice. Yeah, it's not. Right. And, you know, when I hear people try to draw me into the debate of whether or not we should legalize prostitution, I dismiss them immediately. I refuse to get into the debate because what it does is it, it fogs the issue or yeah. throws up a smokescreen. Yeah. This is about slavery. And no one can convince me that every year 75,000 young girls out of Ukraine or 100,000 young girls out of Russia really want to make this a career choice. They are deeply, deeply impoverished. They are desperate. They are destitute. And this is what leads them to take a risk to go out of their countries in search of a job, to feed their families, to find a way to get themselves into university, to pay for their tuition or whatever. Desperation leads to desperate measures, and they take risks. Well, you know, either they take the risk or they stay at home and starve, and their families starve. And it says a lot about the Western nations, the developed countries, that basically they allow this to happen with their men going out on, on these sex tours all around the globe to use these girls rather than giving them an international help or assistance that would, you know, get them into real jobs that they want to do, not the jobs that they're forced to do or, or uh, you know, uh, coerced into doing. Now, uh, you mentioned that the, um, th- this, is, this is global and the Internet has quite a lot to do with the, uh, the proliferation of this so-called trade. Oh, yeah, the Internet, as far as I'm concerned, has exploded the trade. You know, you, you sometimes look at the numbers when you look at 800 to 900,000 young women worldwide a year, uh, and, and a quarter of that, 25% of that, comes out of the Eastern European countries. This didn't <laughs> even exist in 1990. The European, Eastern European women, the Ukrainians, the Russians, did not exist on the radar screen as trafficked women in 1990. The wall comes down, the the curtain crumbles, and then all of a sudden you see huge, huge numbers moving and huge, huge armies of men moving around the world to find the brothels where these girls are being held. And then when you look at that issue, you say to yourself, how did this happen? How are these men finding out about it? And then you realize, and I realized this when I was doing my research, because I was using the Internet, that the Internet was the steamiest whorehouse on the planet. This is where the men were getting their information from and going and getting these women and abusing them. Now, these women are being trafficked by some very um, nasty, ugly people, and you've stepped on some very big and ugly toes. Um, You're persona non grata over there in in those supplier countries nowadays. 
I understand. Is it reasonable to to concern ourselves with retribution from the criminal element if, if we you know we do start getting involved in trying to stop this? I mean, how big are these guys? No, I mean they are big, and they're making billions of dollars off of this industry, twelve billion dollars U.S. a year. But the reality is that this is a human rights crisis of, of horrific proportions. It involves the most vulnerable in our society, women and girls, and we have to stand up and protect them. It's not a matter of saying, well, they're going to come after us. They don't come after people who raise their voices and say, stop the traffic. Governments move in. Police forces move in. Governments understand public outcries. Governments understand when people say, do something about this, because they know they won't get reelected if they don't. If this becomes a front-burner issue, politicians realize that their careers and their existence will, will be you know, uh, measured on what they do, and they can easily be kicked out of office the next time around. This is a point where you know, uh, police officers and, and enforcement people realize that this is now the time to take action because the government is saying you better do something. They send messages to the courts. They pass powerful legislation. They send people to prison for long terms. And then you start to see that, well, criminals start to see that this is not a profitable venture anymore. And secondly, that they face really incredible prison time, and they don't want to do that. So they'll look for another criminal enterprise. Remember, this did not exist in such massive proportions as a criminal enterprise 10 and 15 years ago, not this big. And the reason it exists is because huge money is being made, and huge money is being made because the governments, justice, and police are looking at this with complacency, and there's absolute corruption. Because when you have a billion-dollar industry or a multi-billion-dollar industry, you can bribe and you can corrupt. Right. So then this answers my next question to you, Victor, is how ordinary people can um, can do something, can make a difference. It can start with one letter. Yeah, one letter. Uh, you know, you, you have to go to, you know, to, to our government, for example, in Canada, and say, you know, we may not be a very big player on, this, on the international scene with uh, Natasha's, for example, coming to Canada. However, they are here. And we will clean it up. We will make certain that young women from Ukraine or from Russia or from Moldova will not be abused in massage parlors and strip bars and, and escort services in this country, and that we will pull them out and we will, the word is, rescue them. And we will not deport them and label them as prostitutes. We will go after the traffickers and the pimps and the brothel owners and charge them for all kinds of crimes against these young women, from living off the avails to abduction to assault to uh, uh, enforcement, all kinds of things. And then the message will go out that Canada's backyard and front yard are clean. Then we could take a moral stand against the countries in which the demand is so high and, and go to those countries with our foreign affairs minister and our prime minister and say to Germany, hey, what the hell is wrong with your men and what is wrong with your government? that tens and tens and tens of thousands of Ukrainian women and, and Romanian women are being trafficked in there strictly to service the sexual needs of your pigs. So this is an, an opportunity for Canadians to lead by example. Yep. You lead by example, and then you start to demand. 
You can't suddenly say, hey, we're going to demand this, and, and we have a small problem in our own back. <laughs> yeah. you know, just because what you'll have is those governments turning around and saying, hey, you know what, don't, talk, don't wave a moral finger at us. Well, we can wave a moral finger. So then what people should, should be doing right now is, um, A, read your book and get bone up on the facts. Um, and then write a letter, write, write letters to their MPs, to 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 talk show hosts, to basically anybody that they can get other people involved. Yep, I think you know, uh, you know, the a public groundswell, even letters to editors and newspapers. Uh, why are they not getting involved in writing more and more stories about this? This is a human rights crisis, uh, probably the worst human rights crisis in a new century. And nary a word. They do one story on this, and this is enough. No, it's not enough. You know, they do story after story after story after story on AIDS. Well, we know about AIDS, and it's a crisis, and we should be writing a lot about it. But what about these young women? What is it about our society and our newspapers and our news media that suddenly we just dismiss these girls because they're using the same terminology all the time? Prostitutes. Prostitutes, and it turns people off. They're not prostitutes. These girls are victims. They're true victims. They should be rescued. Thanks very much for sharing all this information, Victor, and thank you for taking the courage, for having the, the courage and, and taking this incredible risk to take on the mob, essentially, and uh, and bring this forward. Um, I hope everybody listening um, will take this opportunity to buy your book, to read it, read it, and to educate themselves about this and to move themselves to do something, at least write a letter to their MP. Uh, there will also be a program on CBC, actually, the Fifth Estate, your former um, employer, uh, is doing something on child pornography. Now, this is all connected. Yeah, it is. I mean, everything is, is interconnected one way or another. You have to realize that many of the children, for example, who are on 55 that UNICEF is aware of, are being used in porn films, pornography, and pedophilia uh, all over the place. So this is a, an issue that uh, spans just the uh, sexual exploitation of women for sex, but also for the porn industry, which is massive in, in its uh, pervasiveness. You know. Thanks again, Victor. Um, good luck in, in your future endeavors, and um, I encourage everyone to buy the Natasha's The New Global Sex Trade. All this information will be posted on the website www.nashholos.com. Any information um, regarding locating your MPs and other information like that to get involved. And I encourage you to visit that website. And again, thank you very much, Victor. Thank you. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank mm-hmm. you.